Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to a very special episode of Progressively Horrified. This is Jeremy, Ben, and Emily here, and as you all may know, I am based in Durham, North Carolina. Recently, I learned through the grapevine that one of our local theaters here, the Carolina Theater, is putting on a horror film festival called the Nevermore Film Festival. It's running February 25th through the 27th, and you can buy tickets for the physical shows online and digital shows there as well. The digital shows will be available all the way until March 2nd, so if you're hearing this after the dates, you might still be able to check it out. Now, we were lucky enough to partner with the Nevermore Film Festival to get advanced screenings of some of their films, that would be showing and a chance to talk to the directors. Today, we're very excited to be joined by Nathan Crooker, the director of the existentially terrifying horror short, No Filter. Nathan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me all. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, I, I think first off, this might be the first time that a lot of our listeners are experiencing your work. So uh, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into uh, doing what you do? Yeah, so I guess the, I'll try to keep it super brief, but I started out doing music videos and commercials as a director for a really long time in New York City. And then a few, I want to say maybe 10 years back, I did a short film called Playback um, that was a three minute one take horror film that went viral online and just kind of blew up and we we're really close to making it in, into a TV show. So I've always loved horror since I was a really a little little kid and finally I did something that I was really really proud of which was playback and like I said it kind of blew up and that sort of projected me into doing more and more writing a lot more um, leading me to then do a, a short called Midnight Delivery which did the festival for, circuit for a while that did really well and then producing and shooting a movie called Until Someone Gets Hurt with Michael Welch from Twilight and then doing No Filter. And then I recently just created and produced a, a film with my producing partner, uh, James Gannon, called Isolation, which we did during um, the pandemic, where we got nine different filmmakers from around the world to tell fictional stories about sort of being stuck in this world that's collapsing all around them. And you can see that you can get that on Apple iTunes or watch it on On Demand, but it's nine different stories from around the world. It's pretty scary and creepy and a lot of fun. It's an anthology. It's pretty cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It took up it took up my whole pandemic and then some. So it was really great. I like I didn't really realize everything that was happening. So I just focused on this movie. And then because I didn't make one of the shorts, the minute we were able to get out of there, I was like, I'm gonna make no filter and just I need something. I need to do something. So that's what you saw. <laughs> well, that sounds, I mean, that sounds super therapeutic. No filter does also have that, I mean, especially with like the Zoom communication and digital communication. Um it, it also has that essence that a lot of us identify with from the, uh, the pandemic and being sure. out of quarantine. Yeah. It's tough to figure out like sort of how to do that in a way that's like, I guess, unique to your movie, but also isn't super over the top where it's like too, too gimmicky or mm. also to make you like nauseous watching it you know? <laughs> because I watched so many films that had it. And some of the stuff I thought was really cool, but it was almost like too big, like too Hollywood for this movie. And then like with the text messaging, it sort of becomes, I don't know, it sort of takes you out of it. So how do you do that? And I thought, you know, uh, A.K. Roy, who did all the effects, and I sort of came, I think we came to a, a, 
an understanding of like, this is like what will work for that movie, you know, that's, it's just enough. It's just kind of cool enough and visually cool enough, but it also doesn't, you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't take you out of the movie where you're just focused on that, on those moments that are happening. I felt that worked really well. I mean, visually with, with the sort of floating, um, almost like it was holographic. Like I, mm-hmm. I was, um, for a moment, I thought it was supposed to be futuristic, but I mean, it was, it's just as futuristic as things are now. I mean, my phone is old, so. <laughs> We've yeah. come a long way from those little text bubbles popping up in episodes of Sherlock. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I know like uh, with everything going on, like the filters and Instagram and just the proliferation of selfies and what we hear about mental health. Was there something specific that really drew you to this kind of material and this and uh, telling this story? Yeah, I think it was more like you were saying before, we spent so much time on our computers, we spent so much time on our phones. And I think everybody got deeper and deeper into probably, you know, if you're on Facebook, you probably went deeper into that or TikTok or, or Instagram or whatever. And what I came to see is friends of mine more and more started to use these filters, I think in the beginning, just to play around with because we were bored. And I think the attention that created, and I think people who are making these filters started to realize that and pumped up more and more during the pandemic, these people kind of got addicted to them that were my friends and they're not younger folks. One of the main things is, is if you like to use it, use it. I think it's just figuring out how to do it in a healthy way because these people really got addicted to it to the point where after we came out, they were still using on every picture, even pictures with their kids or pictures with their family. They were always fixing their faces and they had the filters on where they were you know, shooting these videos. And people started to comment on it and they acted as if there was nothing wrong with it. And I think, and then I saw sort of the ramifications and how it affected them. And it just was really sad. And um, I don't know, I think it's more about just doing a film that calls attention to something that says, okay, look, it can be fun, but be aware that it can cause some real harm. And I think for some people, they use it to really just sort of get that attention that they seek because they think that they're not attractive or there's something wrong with them. And I just, I mean, that's really, really sad. Cause I think honestly, and I don't say this, Lightly, I do think everybody sort of has their own beauty inside them or outside of them and that they should really just, you know, be appreciative and we don't need to like fake what we look like. We shouldn't have to. And if you have to, then you're hanging out with the wrong people. Yeah. And and this is one of the less patronizing kind of representations of social media in media that I've seen. And it's really nice because I, I know a lot of younger people I teach and a lot of them talk about how millennials are showing social media in media um, and how it just feels completely uh, isolating to them. They're like, oh, those kids on their phones. But but this acknowledges the involvement of social media. But I I do appreciate that focus. Mm. Also, the the setting, too, that sort of like the cyan magenta filter, the setting, this kind of futuristic look, it's all very uh, cohesive and it fits stylistically. It's not just like any kid on their phone. It's a very specific person with a very specific yeah. interest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Well, not funny, but I found myself, you know, because I live on the West Coast and the East Coast. And when I was back in New York, I found walking around there were so many people that really lived in these colors, in these like neon worlds, like this sort of sci-fi Blade Runner world when you're walking around. And I would walk around every, during the day, or even at night, I could see all these colors. And sometimes they would change for the LED lights that they had on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the whole time. It was in, and then going over folks' houses that have these neons, because you can buy all this stuff on Amazon, or you can yeah. have it made super cheap. 
because Instagram has been such a big deal where everybody's taking the pictures with the neon behind them. Now people are making their own, putting them in their rooms. Another her room is pink or purple. In the beginning, I was Jason. I was like, I was like, people really do this. Should we really write it like this? And I started digging deeper and looking at TikTok and like, you know, those are the worlds that they've created for themselves to sort of live in, which I thought was kind of cool. I mean, I think it would drive me bananas, but you know, <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> I mean, it's not an aesthetic I can live in, but it's something yeah. I can appreciate as somebody who enjoys like the, they have that vapor wave. Those, I sound so old. Those yeah, kids with no, that vaporwave, but I love it. I love it. The, I love the, the yeah. bisexual lighting. I, it really did stand out to me that, you know, this was clearly a case where you had a, a specific point to make and, and it was somebody or several people working on this that kind of understood the technology. It didn't mm-hmm. have as much of a law and order ripped from the headlines or hello there, fellow kids. It wasn't preachy. In yeah, a way. it didn't feel like... Yeah. Uh, you know, it was specifically just uh, damn kids in their phones. Um, yeah, <laughs> much more well, specific it, than like, that. That's what it comes. It came because it came from a place where I actually was concerned about people. Because you're looking at this thing, and it slowly happens over time. But of course, it's 13 minutes, so things have to happen fast. The original script, it's in in the feature version that we're writing. It affects her emotionally, and not just physically. So quick, like she starts to really have this like attitude towards people, kind of like how Misha has that attitude towards her in the beginning. It affects her like that with her mom and then slowly starts to become body horror. She's kind of just playing with it. She doesn't, and I think it's in a way where it's not like this kid that we see who totally hates themselves or doesn't like the way they look. I mean, she's just sort of in a place where she's just a little down and out. And then all of a sudden she just sees what this can do. And she kind of gets hooked on it a little bit because it's fun. And then we just see that downward spiral. Um, and I think like with the filter that I found and, and I'm interested to see if, if the three of you felt this way, cause it's, it's, it's a small percentage, but it's kind of cool that people feel this way. They'll be like, Oh, you got someone else to do, to play her with the filter. And I was like, no, no, no. We made that filter. That's her. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I've been at a couple festivals. They're like, so why isn't the other girl in the credits? I'm like, cause there wasn't any other girl. Like it's Kelly. <laughs> we yeah, spent I, months- I assumed it was. And then as I was watching it I, this morning, I was like, I wonder if it is a different person. I, I don't think it is, but you know, there, there's enough of a difference that it could be a possibility. Um, yeah. But yeah. Turns out if you give someone sparkly purple eyeshadow, they are unrecognizable. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of messed up. I mean, like Kelly's a beautiful kid and then you like start pushing her forehead down and making her eyes bigger and putting her cheeks in. I mean, we went through 16, 17 different filters and then on the day, because the way you make them, we we're actually using them in the app itself in Snapchat. So, you know, I was looking at her and I'd call her, I emailed our guy and called our guy. I said, I've got to make the eyes bigger. So he's like, boom. And then within three seconds, it was uploaded. I'm like, Kelly, do it now. And we're still shooting. And it like, you know, it was happening in the moment because I was like, I don't really like that way it looks. So we were sort of playing with it and finalizing it on the day. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty wild. I mean, the technology in the movie and then the technology behind making the film was crazy. I mean, I have there were crazy stories about how what happened on the set just to get the thing made, you know. So I was really impressed that you could make those actors prettier. Like- right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're good, good looking kids. And then that's yeah. the thing though. Then you're like, you look at that person, like, yeah, that place that person is is, is extremely good looking person. Then you're like, oh, okay. Any, you can fake anything. Everybody's got like your little blemishes and stuff. Or, you know, I got this nose that used to bug me, but I'm like, look, my nose. And like, I'm not going to go somewhere and get, and get it moved. And then the other thing I was doing this research 
and talking to plastic surgeons in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, they're like, we don't get the pictures of Kim Kardashian anymore. We don't get the pictures of so-and-so, you know, Megan Fox, that we want to look like this. They are literally taking these filters that these people build, screenshotting it and saying, I want to like Kelly in the movie. Mm -hmm. She's going to say, I want to look like this, fix my face to look like this. And the plastic surgeons are doing it. It's crazy. I don't know how you make someone's eyes bigger, but that does sound, I mean, that's body horror right there. Some yeah. people do get get work done and that's fine. You know, that's yeah, what you yeah. want to do. Yeah, but like- I've been tuck. arguing, nip tuck should be horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and look, I'm not downplaying anybody that wants to get surgery or anything like that. I'm just, it's, it's about, I think it's more about the principle of like where it's coming from and how we're going about it. That's- There's always a danger, whether that be physical or mental in sacrificing the real to- pursue the artificial yeah yeah because there's always repercussions something's going to come back once we start i mean even when i had back surgery i was super nervous about them removing like just this piece of my spine because like that's what i was born with now you're Mm. changing it like what's going to happen to me in 15 20 years going into surgery is is always it always requires a certain amount of resolve i think that those people who make that decision don't make it lightly but yeah like just like you say um it's i mean the the fact that people are now using filters for that beauty standard there's a lot to unpack yeah, and it's starting from a place of artificiality mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah that's not a real person no there was a point at which snapchat got in so much trouble for having this plastic surgery filter that mm-hmm. they had to pull it and now people are making these filters which is so funny they're making you look ugly so that when you take the filter off it's like the opposite of this it's just the whole thing's just insane to me i'm not part of that i don't really use that stuff you know what i yeah. mean but i do find it fascinating it was born out of all that stuff. And again, I, I didn't want to put somebody in a position where like I was dehumanizing them for this idea that they want to use this. It was just like, it was, a, it was more like me being curious and being concerned and saying, hey, let's make something that makes people a little bit more aware. And that's obviously not preachy, but it's still fun. And then maybe yeah. you know, next time they pop it open, they think twice about like how they want to use it, you know? I think it's, it's interesting. We talk so much on here about the Uh, horror coming from the other and that being what's really frightening to a lot of people. I think it's interesting in a a story like this, we have uh, a monster that we're sort of inviting in something that we want to, you know, come in that we don't really think through the repercussions before we're like, oh, yes, let's go ahead and invite this thing into our lives. Yeah, it's kind of like in a way the movie is like a home invasion film. Yeah. Yeah. The home is your brain. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're inviting this thing in and it's, you know, it's like literally it's waiting, waiting, like you can see in the movie, it's sort of breathing and waiting, waiting. And then you, and again, you know, the whole the other thing about it too, is like, here's all the information about what this filter is. And had she read more about it, she might not have downloaded it, but there's like pages and pages of all the stuff where you're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Except, Terms and conditions. Yeah. Whatever that means. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I know we're big fans of uh, Misha Shernovich around here. We talked to them already about Girl in the Woods, but you know they're really fantastic in this. Yeah, yeah. I, I met Misha during the pandemic through a friend, and they really, I wrote that part, Micah, for Misha, and then I gave the script to them, and I said, hey, let's really allow you to make your voice. So a lot of stuff that Misha says in the movie is stuff that they wrote so i can't take credit for the fun dialogue that's there that's most i'd say 70 percent. it's misha they're a very fun character how did you go about deciding how much to reveal or how much mystery to have like all the mystery of misha being pulled away 
and then you never see them again like how much yeah. did you decide versus like the ending where it's explicit like she's in the she's trapped in the phone trapped in the filter how did you kind of balance that what to reveal and what to keep a mystery it was tough in a way because the first script was about 25 pages i think if i just wanted to make this solely as a piece just to get the feature made i probably would have done that but i also i was like look this could be fun and could do well in the festivals and i think it could still serve the same purpose as being a calling card for a feature so i had to like sort of dial back like i said the stuff that happened with kelly as far as how it affected her emotionally and then with the Misha character, there was a lot more interaction with the two of them, but it really just came down to like, okay, what, how do they serve the purpose of the film? They set it up, we see a piece of what the filter's like, and then we sort of see sort of this, the repercussions because when Misha, um, when she calls Misha at that point, if we were to take the filter away, his, their face would have been all screwed up. And that's me in the background yelling and grabbing them to get him in the car but you know you don't know that so it's sort of like it heightens the expectation of what's going to happen later I just felt like what's the, I just kind of hone in on like what's the most important part you know that's giving you the most amount of information and then everything else can just go away if it's not really going to serve the purpose in a super strong way I probably don't need it in the short 13 minutes I don't know about you guys but anything longer than 25 you're sort of like is this really a short film I don't know about that the the idea here is really astute Mm. And this would definitely have to be a completely different setup to be a feature film. I think it works really, really well in those 13 minutes because it says what it needs to say. And it also presents that humanity of the characters. Like when, when you're talking earlier about the implied criticism that com sometimes comes up with social media and it dehumanizes these people. And like Jeremy said, those kids and their, their iPhones. But yeah. these characters have a lot of pathos. And even Misha's character at the beginning who kind of snaps who's like, I don't need your shit right now. It feels very organic. Um, that was such a shocking moment when they snapped at her. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially with the distorting screen. Like, again, very spooky, creepy horror movie that had me like off balance. And this was just a lot of, I don't have a question on this one. It was just a really fun movie to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I was in it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, too, has to do with Alex, uh, Alexander Taylor's score. I think that score, that etherealness that sort of bring you in, makes you want to sit back in the chair. You're like, oh, this is such a... It just, I love that beginnings moment and then the way it ends at the end. It's like the polar opposite, right? You've got this really ethereal, beautiful score, this dreaminess that sort of brings you into this, you know, neon world where these two kids are talking and then at the end where it's like everything goes to shit and you have this like rock out in outro to the rest of the movie. Um, I think that, that um, you know, the score just really complements the film and I think makes the rep, brings it all into one amazing casing that really just makes you lean in, you know, to, to really be a part of the movie. It's so great. Yeah. I also want to shout out, I don't, who was your makeup person? Oh, Kenneth Calhoun? Yeah. Please shout out uh, to them because that makeup at the end was so fantastic. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> well, you'd be surprised how long she did not have that on because of how much time we did not have to shoot the end of the movie but we did it everybody was like like dug in and we rocked out that last part quite quickly but kelly was already like in it there was no talking there was not it was the set was it was everybody was on their a game and it was just kelly and i like rock and rolling for the last like hour of shooting it was amazing 
That's awesome. Like Kenneth, yeah, Kenneth, Kenneth came in. He had a lot of work to do. Even the abrasions on Misha's face at the beginning, then we had to give them to Kelly. And then the one that took the longest was the, when we saw, when we see Kelly the second time, the psoriasis mm-hmm. on her face. I mean, putting that on was long, but taking it off was even longer. It was a yeah. long, long process to get that off because that, that makeup is pretty intense as opposed to like the ending, which you think would take longer because it's so much more grotesque. But yeah, Kenneth was amazing to work with. And he was super fun because when you make a, a short film, I feel like nowadays, because we're all sort of in that world doing it, you really have to have a good script for somebody to want to come in and like kind of work for nothing. You know, he went above and beyond and like came to the house and we tested all the makeup on me and he showed me pictures. He was incredible to work with. Like I 100% going to call him back again on the next thing I do, which will hopefully be even more disgusting. Excellent. <laughs> Hit us up when that happens because we would love to review it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I I really love that like this takes the basis of, of a thing that I think is really real and just blows it up to that horror level. And that like, I, I think people are sort of forced to have these different personalities online than what they are in real life. And then I do think we see a lot of times where that starts to bleed back over into real life where the, you know, the, the fiction starts to affect the reality. And we see that uh, through sort of both, both the, the way they're acting and their decisions to, to post more things online, but also that, uh, that snapping back personality that both of them can get towards the end. Um, yeah. And I've, I've really i really enjoyed that and i really enjoy sort of how this integrated both that real phenomenon and this uh special effect that is something we're all very familiar with these days of sort of the lagging phone um blurring people's faces and that's 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 the thing that's creepy to start with and and to see it like actually put to, to use in this was was great yeah it was like i said it was tough to sort not tough but i mean again you just sort of you can't go too far out of it. Like all the apps, I was like, do I really use, do I really use Instagram? Like we watch movies, we really see Instagram, we really see Facebook. I was like, do I want to mess with that? Or do I want to make everything, try to make everything in the world of this movie? Because if you look at the, if you pause it, every app, I made every icon. It's all, all of it's fake. Obviously the new you app's fake. Obviously yeah. the me app is fake. That's the Instagram thing, but everything else as well. And again, to your point, it's, we do see a lot of that stuff all the time. And I was, I wasn't worried, but I was like, all right, do we use it and then potentially get some backlash or Mm -hmm. do we, you know, make our own and really try to sell it hard, you know, so that it sort of just feels organic. And I think hearing what you're saying, I think we achieved that. So it's, it's really nice to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. See that I think is all of my questions. Ben, Emily, do you guys have anything else? Um, I, I think, think we uh, we hit everything I wanted. And, you know, I know the whole team put their you know put a lot of work into that, and Mish and Kelly, and even in Sam, who was so great to work with, and didn't have a ton of time, so he came with his A game and really rocked it out with with Kelly, and it was super fun. But I really appreciate you guys watching the film, and I'm so happy you enjoyed it. And thanks for doing the interview; it means a lot. Uh, it really yeah. does because I hope other people because of this will want to watch the movie and those actors will get the credit that they deserve. So, yeah, we recommend uh, it. I certainly, I certainly hope our listeners check check it out. It is well worth your time to view. Great, and we, we like to ask folks when they when they come on if uh, you know there's anything out there that uh, you've enjoyed that that you're passionate about that's maybe under the radar uh, horror wise that you think people should check out. 
There's things, I don't know if you are familiar with the French extremist films that came out, like High Tension, those guys. I think everybody knows who Aja is in those guys. But there's a film called Cavalier, which is French. It's for the, the Order. I don't know if you've heard of this film. That movie has is just an exceptional horror film. It's so well done. And I'm so glad that probably a lot of people haven't seen it because I feel like there'd be a remake and it would just ruin everything. Um, <laughs> But like that movie has always stand, stood out to me so much. And again, Xavier Jens's Frontiers is something that I just really, really love. I got so wrapped up in those films and I don't know why. I think they have, like Ben, like you were saying, they have um, with social commentary, which I think is like horror is so great at doing, right? Because we have this like, fun experience and we hopefully come away learning something where it's like we watch Jason Bourne, which is fun, but what do we come away with? We're, what, don't get in the way of an assassin? Finding the th finding the uh, the themes and the deeper content in horror movies is what this podcast is all about. Yeah. yeah, and it's awesome because I think there's so many, I mean, if you do it right, we're just really watching a drama with a horror casing, right? No. Um, and I think, you know, there are some, so many great films that, that, I mean, so many films that do that well. Um, and I think those guys did a great job of it because in those films are, you know, they're extreme, but they're like, you know, I'm sure you guys all heard of martyrs and there, there's probably like 15 of them that I think are really, really incredible. But, um, yeah, I don't know when people ask me that it's like, look, look, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my favorite film that and the exorcist, it goes back and forth all the time. It depends what day it is or how much sleep I got. I, I know uh speaking of french extremists i think we just recently talked about uh titan which is very much a descendant of those films absolutely man that thing that movie was i saw that at in la at beyond fest and she was there and wow. the crowd was just losing their minds i mean that movie is just exceptional there's something like you either like it or you hate it and i love that movie it was out of control it was Both so good. that both that and Raw, her other yeah. film, are just like their guttural experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's great about it. I mean, you can go see these movies, you know, that are super fun. But I think when they really bring you in, when it because I think it does have to have the you got to the characters have to mean something. The story really has to mean something. If it has that relevance to something, then it brings you in even deeper. Um, and then, you know, like I said, all the rest of that, the stuff that's around it, the visual stuff, it's not like it's easy, but you know, we can do that, but the script is everything. Like what's the story? Who are these characters? And then if you can surround that with like a smattering of blood and some body horror, like, man, we're good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still dreaming about that movie. I'm still like, <laughs> yeah, trying man. to process it. <laughs> Watch the ordeal. Like check that out, man. Oh, it is. Yes. It, it's it's crazy it's super crazy and it's it's yeah it's, it's it's crazy i love that movie and i love like them eel that french one which started off the whole home invasion films mm -hmm. oh my god the ending of that movie I'm, i won't give it away for anybody when you see that chiron come up you're like you gotta be kidding it's creepy as hell i don't know whatever i can go on and on about all that stuff well <laughs> uh before we uh let you go can you uh let people know where they can follow you online or find out yeah. more about what you're up to Sure. So most of the stuff that I post is on my Instagram, which is at the crooker, T-H-E-C-R-O-O-K-E-R, -E -E my last name. And then I'm also on Facebook, Nathan Crooker, and Twitter, Nathan Crooker. And then you can check out, I started a, a new company, which is really dealing with socially relevant horror and giving chances for new voices in horror. It's called ghostgangproductions.com. And it's my production company and not only does my own movies, but we're also looking for um, really strong scripts that we can help produce. So awesome. 
that's my plan. My yeah. plan is not to just do my own. I love producing other people's films as well and not just my own. So that was the plan with starting that company. That's fantastic. Awesome, yeah. Great to hear. And I think hopefully some people with some great scripts that uh, need a shot find that out there. Send your scripts to info at ghostgangproductions.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you very much to all of our listeners. And everybody absolutely go on uh, Nevermore Film Festival. If you're in Durham or in the area, stop by and, and check it out this weekend. Or if you're not up till, I think, March 3rd, it'll be available digitally. So jump in there and check it out. And No Filter is, is a great one to grab while you're there. Yeah. Come say hi. I'll be there. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for making this rad little movie. I really, I really enjoyed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And we don't, we don't do too, anything too elaborate. We just tell people until next time, stay horrified.